Here's what's coming up on today's show. Your beneficiary form in the pecking order is first. Then everything else is beyond that. So you've got to make sure those are done right uh, because it can be a mess if you don't have that stuff laid out. Welcome to the Perfect Game Retirement Podcast with former professional baseball player and now financial coach at Black Oak Asset Management, Ryan Ledman. This show will help you make the right financial decisions so you can pitch a perfect game in retirement. Here's the wind-up and the delivery. Hello and welcome in to Perfect Game Retirement. Glad to have you on the show today. I'm Ben George with Ryan Ledden at Black Oak Asset Management. He is a president and financial coach. Got a good show for you today. Ryan, I don't know we talk a whole lot about estate planning. We, we talk about it from time to time. I know it's just you know, one piece of the puzzle, but it is an important piece, right, for a lot of people. Yeah, it is. For some reason, you know, everybody wants to talk about their investments and performance and you know maybe get into some taxes and tax planning. But the estate planning part, it's kind of funny. It doesn't get talked about, it, or clients, I should say, sometimes want to talk about it the least unless they have a personal experience with a family member and their estate was not taken care of. Do they really see the importance of it? But it just doesn't seem like it's talked about. Oh, yeah, I got that filled out. Or, oh, yeah, we're good. We got a will in place. But how updated are these things? How updated are your beneficiary forms? And we're going to get into a lot of these topics. But, yeah, it is. It's it's almost like people sweep it under the rug and don't want to talk about it. Yeah, so what we want to do is, is help you today. If, if it's important for you to leave a financial legacy, we'll walk you through some of the common mistakes that are made so that you don't have regrets with your estate plan. That'll be the goal today. So we have a good show for it. Also, a mailbag question coming a little bit later on. But Ryan, I know you were back from a trip to, to Oregon here recently when we were recording this. Uh, pretty pretty cool facility, right? I know we, we if you're a sports fan, you know all about the different uniforms a football team has and just all the resources they have out there with Nike. But how was it to be there in person? Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, to see a track facility that is – solely for track and field uh it's it was awesome it was impressive because you know last year he went uh, lucas qualified for the junior olympics and it was at you know sacramento state fine facility great it was our first experience there and then you go to track town usa where almost everything revolves around it and it's and it's amazing that a, a sport like track and field runs a very very close second probably to football football still kind of rules the roost out there i think but because of the money, I would say, yeah. the, the money generated. But it doesn't mean its track is less popular. But, yes, I mean, you see people running everywhere. You see people jogging everywhere. You see Tracktown USA signs everywhere. So, yes, awesome experience. The facility was was incredible, uh, probably uh, something I would never have done if my son did not run in that event. My dad went along as well as my wife and my daughter. So it was just a cool experience. We tried to experience as much as we could while we were out there. Probably didn't get to do as much as we wanted to because of the spacing of his events. You know, he may have one event at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It's like, oh, you know, you don't want to get in the car and go to the coast an hour and a half away, then an hour and a half back and get him tired. So, I mean, we're there for one main reason, and we wanted to respect that, but we tried to do some things to make it, a, make it a family experience at the same time. So it was great. It was cool. Definitely different different way of life out there. I mean, when you see, you know, cannabis signs everywhere and people, <laughs> I mean, literally people smoking weed in their front yard, like literally yeah. on the street corners. It's just, it's different. I mean, I was, I took my daughter to a local park uh, to throw because she still has softball. And so we went to a, um, a field and yeah, there's a guy sitting on his, 
in his front yard with a, in a lawn chair at like 1130 on a Tuesday. I'm like, what's going on here? What, what, what do you do for your living? But yeah, smoking, smoking outside. And Lindy's like, what is he doing? I'm like, uh, how, do I, how do I have this conversation with my, my 12 year old yeah. anyway? So it's just different. Yeah, it is a different, different world indeed uh, out there, but cool that you got to experience that. I'm glad that the trip went well and that Lucas uh, had a, a successful uh, appearance at the at the event. So always good to hear. But let's, let's switch gears here and jump into our conversation today. If you have questions for Ryan, you can always reach out blackoakam.com. Schedule your retirement coach 360 session online right now. Plus, you can get all of our podcasts there as well if there's anything you're curious about. Let's jump in here, though. Estate planning, again, is important to a lot of people. Not everyone, right? It's not a priority for everyone. But for those that do, they want to get it right, right? They want to leave as much as they can to the people that they care about the most, and they want to make sure that gets taken care of. So avoiding these mistakes we talk about today and, and probably some misconceptions that we want to clear up as well along the way are important. So first one, Ryan, you know, with, with estate planning, you want to leave as much as you can. That's the goal, right? You want to do as much as you can to protect what you have and, and pass it along. So one thing that would cause some regret is if you aren't planning for the expenses that you know are probably going to come in retirement at some point that can really eat away of uh, from your nest egg and and take away a lot of what you want to pass along. Yeah. And there's a lot, I mean, the easy thing to pick at is, you know, what your healthcare costs are going to be. That's, that's probably the number one. And we'll kind of get back to that in a second, but yeah, I mean, you still have large expenses from time to time that you may not think of. Uh, of course, you know, when you're working and having earned income and you're in your car every single day and traveling around and, you know, every several years you you get a new vehicle or, or whatever it may be and you don't think anything of it. Well, you, you probably still need those things. Maybe not as frequent, but you still need those things. You're still consuming um, your car, you're consuming your house, you're using it. So things are still going to need to be repaired. You, you need to have a plan for a new car every X number of years. Everybody's different with that. It may be seven to 10 years. It may be longer than that, but it's kind of funny how some people who are entering retirement, they're like, Oh yeah, this is my, I'm getting this car is going to be my last car. I'm like probably not, probably not going to be your last one. Uh, people say that, and they still go through cars. Uh, people still like to ride new vehicles and have new technology. So that doesn't really go away. House repairs, AC, you know, AC units still go out. Um, roofs still get damaged. Um, uh, you know, we, we saw this recently here uh, with, with, we had bad thunderstorms that have just ripped through mm -hmm. the Atlanta area and just trees down everywhere. Well, okay, crap. I mean, I know we have insurance for those things, but talking to people, that I'm close personal friends with who had issues with trees falling on houses or parts of their property and damage thing. I mean, trying to get insurance coverage is, is, is a painstaking thing. It's like, why do I pay for this if it's going to be this difficult? But I digress. That's another conversation yeah. for another day, but yeah. out of pocket expense that you, it, they only cover so much and then you got to cover that stuff. So just know that those big expenses are going to come around and it's better to plan for it than taking a chunk out at a time. That's what can really demoralize people's nest egg if they're taking 50 grand out all at once to buy a car or whatever it may be and it wasn't planned for. So that's what can make a portfolio maybe not last quite as long. And then getting back to the healthcare thing. I mean, we're, we're getting older you're going to have some sort of healthcare expense. We just don't know the depth of it, but you have to plan for it. Everybody's 
lives as they get closer to their passing, uh, it's expensive. Uh, but some people go right through and fall asleep and then never wake up. That's probably most people's ideal scenario, but that doesn't always happen that way. Some people are in nursing homes for two to 10 years. It just depends on what the ailment is. So you have to make a plan for that. I did have one client and they just basically did not want to talk about it. As an advisor, I have to, I have to, I have to keep asking questions in that situation. And we're, we can't just say, no, 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 we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to think about it. Cause that's, that's irresponsible for me not to let that go and be like, okay, because that yeah. could take a, a large majority of their assets. So you got to make a plan for it. And it doesn't mean to insure yourself up to your eyeballs, but it does need to make a plan. Got to have a plan for these things that you know might come to protect yourself and your nest egg. All right. You mentioned uh, desi- beneficiary designations a little bit earlier. So that's the kind of the next thing I want to hit on, you know, making sure that you're getting these updated. And, you know, I, we talked about it a little bit before I know through on the podcast from time to time, but how often are you needing to do this, Ryan, like how, how important I know it is, is super important, but how often, how consistent do you need to be in checking these things? Yeah. I mean, it's gotta be at least once a year, you have to check these things. Um, life, life can change a lot quicker and sooner than that, but it, you have to check those designations, uh, beneficiary designations at least once a year, just to make sure they're up to date. Cause even though you may have done the beneficiary update form, you know, there's always human error. There's always, you know, you send a form into the financial institution that's custodying these funds and you know, they may make a mistake or they may not update it. So it's just, you have to just backtrack on these things because that's just a legal thing that as an advisory firm, you have to stay on top of and you don't want to be legally responsible for something not getting updated and you have someone inherit money that was completely not supposed to inherit that money. So again, especially like an ex-spouse or something like that where you know, an ex-spouse gets it and maybe they've been remarried and then something happens to the ex-spouse and then, you know, the new wife gets it. Anyway, it's, it can be a mess and, and those things do happen. So making sure all your retirement accounts, all your 401ks, all your insurance policies, IRAs, Roths, everything needs to be laid out uh, on that bene- beneficiary designation form because we've said it on here before, beneficiary designation forms, they trump anything that's in the will. So if a will says something different, because I've had people tell me that before, oh, I don't need to update. My will says this. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. Your beneficiary form in the pecking order is first. Then everything else is beyond that. So you got to make sure those are done right, because uh, it can be a mess if you don't have that stuff laid out. And this covers like, I mean, what 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 all what all has a beneficiary on it? I mean, we're we're familiar with you know, our, our accounts, like our 401k and stuff. But I mean, it's, it's just about everything. All of our big accounts have these beneficiaries on them, right? Usually they do. Yeah. Even um, sometimes uh, checking accounts don't necessarily have beneficiary, but you can have like a jointly titled account. You can have you and your spouse in case something happens to you. Then your spouse immediately takes over and it avoids probate, anything like that. But if it's just you and then you have a beneficiary on there, well, then it has to go through probate and there's a delay in having access to that to that money. So most of the time we tell people if it's a non-retirement account, whether it's checking, a CD, a brokerage account, those should be jointly titled in your spouse's name. So it just passes passes on quickly and not have to worry about that. Um, you know, we can get into uh, talking about trusts and, and making sure trusts everything, have everything outlined on how everything's supposed to be, you know, 
given to beneficiaries as well. So, but beneficiary designations definitely on all your retirement accounts. Just make sure those things are up to date. But almost everything's going to have something because the financial institution needs to know. Okay, where does this money go if something were to happen to you? All right, we're talking about estate planning with no regrets and mistakes that can get made that you know can cause you to to maybe lose a little sleep over the future and the legacy you want to leave and. You know, with the beneficiary talk and just making sure everything's set up correctly, you know, one of the reasons you do this is because you want to avoid the opportunity for conflict, right? And and to have like a battle. And we see this all the time from a celebrity standpoint because it makes news. But you see like heirs and family members fighting over, you know, in a state like that. And there's obviously steps you can take, but what? But how do you work it? Work your estate plan and get everything in place so that you can avoid having this this potential conflict. Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, it's communication is the key um, on on these things and communicating these things while you're alive so there's no potential legal dispute afterwards. You want to have these things laid out saying, okay, this is what's, this is how, who's going to get what, even if it boils down to what beneficiary forms say, what wills and estate or trusts say. Um, but also possessions too. It's kind of funny that possessions, uh, materialistic type possessions are the ones that can, that can just rip a family apart. Not, not only just money, but you know, who gets what. So a lot of that stuff needs to be laid out and communicated like, okay, this person gets this. And I can remember, um, it's kind of an awkward moment in my life, but I remember when my grandfather died and we were at his house uh, afterwards and his brother came by right after the funeral and came by and got a civil war gun off the mantle and kind of visited for a few minutes and then left. I was like, hmm. all right, that was awkward, but you know what? Obviously he communicated that to him saying, this is yours. This, this stays in our family if something were to happen. So that stuff was communicated. It may have been awkward to us. We didn't know about it, I guess, but it commun- it was communicated to him. So just having those things laid out, now there's no surprises because people can get their feelings hurt. And when they get their feelings hurt, sometimes they want to take legal action. It's just not the route you want to go in. So it just avoids those potential conflicts. But again, legal documents, just making sure, and I've looked at people's wills and, you know, making sure that every T is crossed and every I is dotted. And sometimes I'll find some things like, oh, what, you know, this is a little bit off. This should be phrased differently. I'm not an attorney, obviously, but I can look at those things and speak intelligently on them to make sure that they are filled out correctly. So having a second set of eyeballs on these things is a good idea to do because it just avoids any hiccups that could happen um, after someone's passing. Yeah. Well, the house is one of the biggest assets you're going to have and one of the, you know, one of the biggest things you want to pass along for many people. So uh, one of the misconceptions that out there, though, Ryan, is that, you know, maybe I should do this while I'm living, pass this real estate on now rather than at death, but is that the best approach? Yeah, this one's talked about a lot. Um, so here's my disclaimer, not not specific advice for everybody because everyone's situation is, is slightly different, but usually passing on um, real estate while you're living is not a good idea. And there's a few reasons why. So first off, putting a piece of real estate, primary house, whatever it may be into one of your kids' names or something like that to get it out of your name. Then once it's out of your name, then maybe you can qualify for, you know, state funded long-term care, basically Medicaid, which you don't want to do. I mean, any loved one, you, you 
don't want them if they can help it because real, usually real estate is a very, very large asset. There's other ways to pay for long-term care that's not funded by the state. Uh, mm-hmm. You just don't, you just don't want to do that. I've, I've seen those facilities and if that's your only option, okay, I get it. But if you can avoid it, let's, let's try not to. So a, a piece of real estate, you can take out a home equity line of credit to try to pay for long-term care. Again, not recommending these ideas, but they're ideas. A reverse mortgage. I mean, there's ways to take money out of a very, very potentially large asset to help pay for quality of care for your loved one. Uh, also, the biggest thing is you you remove that step up in basis. And what I mean by that is if I own a house and I pass away, the new tax liability basis or principal is the day of my death. So if my kids were to inherit my house, they get the step up in basis of the day of my death, not the day that I bought it. Okay, so if you pass it on while you're alive, you don't get that step up in basis. It goes back to the original amount. So if I bought a half a million dollar house and it's worth 1.5 million and I give it away, to my kids, then the basis is 500K. It's not 1.5 versus if I kept it in my name, I pass away, the new basis is 1.5 million. My kids still may want to sell the house, but they sell it for 1.5 million and they have no tax liability. So that step up in basis in real estate is huge, huge, huge because real estate, you can do 1031 transfers, which not going to get into what 1031s are, but you can continue to buy real estate and keep pushing the taxes down the road by buying one piece of real estate, selling it, and then those assets go right into a new piece of real estate. That's a 1031 exchange. You're not re- responsible for the taxes at that time. Well, you can do that your whole life. 1031 exchange it till the day you die, and you may buy a piece of property and build up this real estate portfolio when you die, never pay tax on it, pass away, and then you have a new step up in basis. So <laughs> there's huge ways to get around it, but giving it to someone while you're alive, usually, usually, usually not the best way to do it. Yeah, and hopefully anybody making you know, decisions like that are, are going to go through you know, the proper channels and work with a professional to make sure they're doing the right thing before doing that. But some things to think about if that is uh, something you're contemplating in the future. All right, let's close it out then, Ryan, with taxes. Um, maybe maybe the, the biggest one here last, but you know you have to always be thinking about the tax implications for everything you're doing. You know, both while you're living and for that estate when you pass away, because this you can make this could be the difference in thousands of dollars, right? Yeah, if it's not done properly, absolutely. Um, they, they just there are a lot of people that don't kind of consider the tax efficiency of their assets. Maybe they have all pre-tax accounts and then they pass away and then their beneficiaries, not their spouse, kids mainly, then their tax liability is on them. Well, some of you may be like, oh, well, woe is me. They can figure it out. Like they're getting a lump sum of money and they have to take this money out over a 10-year period because that's the, the new rules on that. But they are responsible for some taxes. Okay, maybe they are. Maybe while you're alive, you say, hey, I don't want to throw that tax burden on to my beneficiaries. I want to slowly start converting some of this money over to Roth money. And then they don't have any tax obligation on that. So, you know, there's there's some things to think about. Uh, life insurance, uh, you know, is a great way to, one, pass money on tax-free. It does count toward your estate total, um, which I'll get to in a second. But it's tax-free. 
and it's a way to get liquid money really, really quick in case there are expenses once a person dies, whether it's funeral expenses, whatever it may be, there's just usually a large influx of cash that can pay for a lot of things. So life insurance, that's where some people are like, oh, I don't need life insurance when I'm older. Well, maybe you don't need it. Maybe you want it. Maybe you want to have a beneficiary receive some of this money completely tax-free that they could pay any taxes on your retirement accounts that you may uh, give on to them. Or, you know, right now, some people talk about estate taxes. Estate taxes are not an issue for a lot of people. Uh, what I mean by that is estate taxes are if you give, if you pass away and your estate is over a certain amount, your beneficiaries have to pay a tax on that amount that's over the estate tax uh, exemption. So right now it's 12.92 million dollars per person that they can give away and the beneficiaries do not pay an estate tax. That's a lot. So you're talking yeah. almost 26 million for a couple. So most people don't have an issue. Now can Congress change that? Yep, they can. And so we can cross that bridge if they slash that thing in half, which is set to be cut in half in uh, I think 2026, whatever the estate tax exemption is at that time, the tax code goes back. Uh, it reverts back before the tax cuts and it gets cut, that estate tax gets cut in half. So let's say it's 14 million in a couple years. Well, in 2026, it'll now be 7 million, which is still a lot of money. <laughs> still a lot of money, but that affects a few more people. Uh, but they could even lower it even more than that. So estate taxes, you, mm, we don't have to worry about them as much. Some people do, and that's where certain types of trust, revocable, irrevocable trust. Again, that's a whole other conversation, but that's where you get an estate planning attorney involved and your financial advisor involved, and they can kind of coordinate what that looks like uh, from a planning perspective. All right. Very good. Well, there's some things to think about. Again, if, if a financial legacy is important to you, you want to do so without any regrets and and that's the goal for today's episode. Hopefully that helps you out. If you have questions for Ryan, again, you can schedule your 360, your retirement coach 360 session online now. Just go to blackoakam.com, but you can also call 470-508-0508. Of course, Ryan, we always like to do a little getting to know you on the show before we get into the mailbag. And this week's question for you, I think we all have that uh, that crush, that first crush, celebrity crush growing up, um, whether it be a TV show or a musician that you listened to growing up. I'm curious who yours was. I was going back and thinking about this. I mean, I remember watching, um, and I don't know her name. Well, I don't know the actress's name, but I remember watching. Um, oh, my gosh, my mind just went blank. Um, <laughs> Dukes of Hazard. There you go. Dukes uh, yeah. of Hazard. <laughs> Daisy. I remember. Yeah, Daisy. There you go. There you go. I remember thinking like, oh, my gosh, she's really pretty, but. You know, I was a little kid, but still, I could recognize that 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 person's very attractive. Um, but as I got older, I mean, I think back, and this is kind of—I don't know. She used to be a model. Some people remember this person, but um, I can remember Brooke Shields like being one of those people for me. Some people are like, "What?" I, I don't know why. I just remember her. I think she had a was it? Um, she had a show, a uh, sitcom show, and I can't even remember the name of it now that. I used to watch sometime, but obviously I know she was a young model when she was a really young kid and, mm -hmm. you know, progressed through, continue to be a model, but you know, she's really tall. That's obviously me being six, four, that was kind of a thing that I thought was attractive anyway. So Brooke Shields, I guess is the one that just kind of pops into my head. Um, other than all the, you know, 
Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue models that yeah. were on there that I used to get when I was a teenager, but I don't remember any of their names except yeah. for like L. McPherson, I guess. That right. was the only one that kind of pops in my mind. <laughs> Kelly Kapowski. That was a... Uh, oh, there yeah, you go. Good call. A, she was a good one. She was a popular one for, for many <laughs> Kelly uh, boys our, our age growing up. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, a lot of fun to, to go, go down memory uh, lanes. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that, Ryan. All right, let's, let's uh, close out on a serious note with a little financial uh, planning question that came in here from Carol in Sandy Springs. She asks, I have a lot of major life changes occurring in the next six months that I think will affect how I should be invested. Should I just park my money in cash until life settles down and I know what my future will look like? Yeah, good question. I mean, yeah, you're given a time frame of six months. Yeah, I, I would. I would park it. I mean, the benefit now of interest rates being so high is that safe money pays money now. It's it's kind of fun. Um so I usually tell people, if you know you have a big, big expense within three years or less, I don't invest in the market. Okay. Um, I, I just think it's too risky for that short time period and, and too many things could potentially go wrong. I'm a, a huge believer in the market from a long-term perspective, but less than three years, I guess you could argue maybe just less than two years, but six months, yeah, park it in a money market mutual fund. Those things are paying anywhere from four to five and a half percent as the recording of this show, um, different types of instruments that you can invest in, whether it's a three month treasury, a, a short term CD, a money market mutual fund, there's there's plenty out there to choose from that, that's paying a yield. So yeah, park that money, do not invest it, and, but get something out of it for, for six months um, time period and, and you'll at least get something out of it. Obviously be aware, you'll probably get it, you will get a 1090 interest income tax form, just like, Banks send you on the, you know, 37 cents that you earn in your savings account. I mean, they'll send you uh, a tax form on that. So be aware that you'll pay a little bit of tax on that interest, but money just sitting there, take advantage. All right. Great question, Carol. If you have one for us, we'd love to hear from you. You can send it in via the website, blackoakam.com while you're there. If you actually want to schedule a meeting with Ryan, best thing to do is click the button, schedule your retirement coach 360 session online. Now you can learn a lot more about Ryan and what he does at Black Oak. Plus, you can also access the tools he has on the website right there. Right now, it's by going to blackoakam.com. All right. Very good, Ryan. Uh, stay planning again. Maybe not the, the priority for everyone, but uh, a big a big piece of the retirement planning conversation discussion I know you have with clients. I'm glad we could go through this today. Thanks for your time, and uh, we'll do it again soon. Absolutely. The Perfect Game Retirement Podcast is brought to you by Black Oak Asset Management, serving the greater Atlanta area with offices in Alpharetta and Macon. The show is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to the show on your favorite app today and never miss an episode. Just search for Perfect Game Retirement to find us. You can also visit blackoakam.com to listen to past episodes, to contact Ryan Ledner, and to learn more about how to pitch a perfect game in retirement. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Please consult with a qualified professional before taking any action. Securities and registered investment advisory services offered through Silver Oak Securities, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Black Oak Asset Management and Silver Oak Securities, Inc. are not affiliated.